Welcome to another episode of the Souvenirs Podcast. This week we sit down with second generation ranch guest Sarah Menke Barnes. Sarah talks about spending many spring break vacations at the ranch with her family, and it doesn't stop there. She has continued the tradition of family time at the ranch with her own family, creating a third generation of ranch guests. She'll share tales of Jim Connors, trail rides, teenage shenanigans, and a most memorable snake encounter that delivered her a souvenir of sorts to hang her hat on. So without further ado, here we go. What is your earliest recollection of the ranch and how old were you? I was nine years old uh, when I first visited the ranch in 1970. Um, and that was actually my parents' second visit. So they, they, we had recently moved to the Chicago area and um, they had um, made some friends, the Mitchells, who were regular guests at the ranch and thought my parents would enjoy it. So they went out um, with the Mitchells and had a great time. And then the next year um, brought me and we we first started coming in February. And from those first couple visits, my parents visited the, the ranch and it, you'd have to go back and, and look at the um, database, I guess, but I, I'm pretty sure it was 35, if not 40 years consecutively. So they never missed a season for the next, like I said, 35 or 40 years um, until my mom's health prevented her from traveling. And then my dad didn't go for several years. And then the last year before he passed away, when he was 95, we made one more trip back to the ranch um, with him. And then, and then he passed away later that year. Um, Did they come out at the same time of year? Yeah, we started coming in February. So the first, um, at least the first couple of years that um, we came, it was not spring break time. Um, I was young enough that they could take me out of school and we would come for a week and there would be maybe be one or two other kids my age there. Um, But we still had a, a kids counselor and went out on the kids rides and um, so that gave my parents a chance to go on the adult ride. And that was before the golf course. So they they were mostly interested in in riding. Um, and then we also played a lot of tennis. And of course, I took lessons when I was very young from Dave Messersmith. So it was the tennis and the riding were the the two big things. And then as I got into probably middle school and then for sure high school, we started coming um, at spring break in in March. And there were several families from where we lived in Winnetka and then another big contingent from Oizetta, Minnesota. And um, and then various, you know, every year there were a few random families with kids that were there, but there were there were a couple groups of us, the, the Faroes, um, who, uh, that was Susie Spencer and her whole family would come and then the Berlins, um, and then the, the Spencers, the Spencer family from Moisetta. And then, like I said, various, various other families that, that we had connections with. Um, so it was the same, the same people would, same families would come back every year. And then the same staff was there year after year after year. So it really did feel like, you know, sort of a family reunion. And I was thinking, reflecting on it this year's visit to the ranch, that um, that was one of the things that we all really valued was that kind of like the song from Cheers, you know, everybody knows your name, 
And my dad, especially, and this was true in every aspect of his life, he was one of those people that um, could talk to anyone and was interested in talking to anyone and made friends very easily. And um, everybody knew my dad. You know, he was good friends with Rusty. And and what are your parents' names? Alan and Virginia Menke. And so, you know, we'd get back at the back to the ranch and everybody would, Oh, Mr. Menke, Mr. Mrs. Menke. It's so good to see you again. You know, how are, you know, so it just, it felt like um, coming, coming home. And I didn't, I never went anywhere else for a vacation. Honestly, that was, you know, other than visiting, you know, extended family. And I'm the youngest, I do have two older siblings, but they're quite a bit older. And so um, they were already out of the house when we started traveling to the ranch. And so it was, it was something I did um, with my parents. And then as my siblings married and had their own families, then they, they started coming and and bringing the grandkids to the ranch. And I think the biggest gathering we had was probably for my, my parents celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary at at the ranch. And the the room that's now the gift shop was um, sort of a private dining area. And that's where we had had my parents 60th wedding anniversary. And what year was that? That would have been 2004, I believe. Yeah. And that was the last time all of the family was together. Yep. What do you remember about the kids club? The counselors were always great and they earned their paychecks (laughs) with us. They were always very patient. I remember going out on rides and playing the stick game, um, which my kids, you know, still remember. We did get in a fair amount of trouble. And particularly once we were actually graduated from the kids club and were teenagers, we gave the ranch um, manager a hard time. <laughs> about some of those stories. What kind of trouble did you get into? Well, we, uh, whenever we were there for um, April Fool's Day, there were many pranks in the dining room. Um, the lids of salt um, shakers being unscrewed and um, butter pats launched onto the ceiling. We, um, I remember short sheeting Dr. Platt's bed, putting a rubber snake in it. He was he was a prankster himself, but he was one of the, the parents. And then, of course, we used to have bonfires almost nightly in the wash out by the the um, what's now Yucca Flats. Um, we got into a lot of trouble chasing rabbits on the old airstrip and in a Jeep. So but it was a relatively safe place for that kind of thing. I mean, we we didn't do any we didn't actually set the desert on fire or actually run over any um, jackrabbits. What do you think kept your parents returning to the ranch? Again, I think a lot of it was the ongoing ties with both other guests and with the ranch staff and just the consistency of the experience. Um, And so it was, you know, we, we all knew what to expect and we thoroughly enjoyed it. My dad really liked to be active on vacation and, you know, so it was well suited to him. We used to come for two weeks over spring break when when I had that much time off of school. And so, yeah, I think it was the friendships, the relationships was the the big thing. And, you know, there, there were ups and downs in terms of, you know, what was coming out of the kitchen, you know, and, and that was probably the biggest variable who, who happened to be the chef any particular year. But other than that, um, it was just always 
consistent, welcoming. Um, How did the food change over the years? It just went through various phases, depending on who, you know, who the the chef happened to be. And, and um, you know, again, my dad had the, the most opinions. He, he liked there to be, you know, a baked potato on offer, even if it wasn't on the menu. <laughs> and, you know, if, if he didn't like some of the sort of fussier French inspired menu items, he wanted, you know, to, to be able to order a steak and a baked potato, um, which he could usually get away with. <laughs> Are there any memorable staff? Uh, lots of memorable. I mean, Caroline, of course. It, um, Caroline and I, um, you know, she's she grew up in outside Chicago where I did. And so, you know, we were guests together. She's a little bit older than I am, but we were, you know, we were guests together. Um, and so she's she's always been a fixture, and particularly for my two girls who we started bringing to the ranch, you know, when they were tiny. Um, and so they grew up knowing Caroline and particularly when she was the kids wrangler. Um, so my daughters each have a, a very special relationship with Caroline. So yeah, she's probably the most, and then, and Dick of course is, you know, been, been part of the ranch for a long, long time. When my parents and I first started coming out, not right away, but certainly within a couple of years, um, Buford Giles was the head wrangler. And he was quite a character. I can remember one April Fool's Day again, he painted thrush medicine on his horse, so which is purple, and um, put purple polka dots all over his buckskin horse and had some story about, you know, how his horse had I, I can't remember what his story was about how he ended up with the purple spots, but he rode that horse to the gym. We had a gymkhana that day over at Flying E. And yeah, so he had a he had a sense of humor for sure, but he was also very much a, you know, sort of a crusty old cowboy. And he had very definite ideas about how that corral was to be run. And, you know, he he ran a tight ship. Um, but he was Buford was was definitely a a character. What can you tell me about those Gymkhanas? Um, they were great fun. We lived for those when you know when I when I was a, a kid and and even into teenage years. Uh, everybody was very competitive. The Wranglers did a good job of keeping everything safe, but we were able to do the kinds of things that I'm sure insurance would never allow anymore in this day and age. Um, so it was great fun. We we had these felt sort of vests that everybody from the, you know, Sunsea, they were turquoise with a yellow Sunsea on the back and the kids all wore those. And we, if the Gymkhana was at Flying E, we would all saddle up and um, ride over to the Flying E. And then we competed with Flying E and sometimes uh, Ramuda was there. So we might have three different teams and there were steak races and musical sacks and the beanbag race and the ranch relay. And, and then a couple of events for unmounted, you know, for the littler kids, the boot scramble. And then um, one, which was always a source of amusement, I think particularly for the Wranglers was the baseball bat um, race where you had to, the, a Wrangler would stand with your horse down at the far end of the arena and you had to put your head on a baseball bat and do 10 rounds around the baseball bat until you were completely dizzy and then run down, get on your horse and ride back. 
<laughs> that was that was a crowd pleaser. Were there prizes involved? Uh, um, well, certainly bragging rights, which which was the main the main thing that that you, you were competing for. And then we did get ribbons for you know winning um, first, second, third, probably in participation and and all those things. But the the biggest thing was the bragging rights. Do you remember the route they took from the ranch over to Flying E? Did they go along the road or did they cross through the desert? They crossed through the desert. But we used to ride regularly over on Flying E land. And then every once in a while they'd come over. But we used to be able to go over to Robber's Roost and back around to the backside of Vulture. So you could see where it actually looks like a saddle. But that was a regular route in terms of of um, the rides was you'd cross Vulture Mine Road and then go over into undefined E land. Did you go on any of the day long rides that would go up to Vulture Peak? Uh, yeah, well, we used to do um, cookouts, lunch cookouts at Vulture, and it, which they weren't billed as day long rides. That's actually effectively what they were because you'd leave, you know, at ten as you would for a normal ride, get out there, have lunch, and then by the time you were back, it was four in the afternoon. So, you know, anyone who didn't want to ride would come out on the on the truck or the van, and you know, so those were those were lots of fun. And then we had one year, one very memorable evening cookout, which could only happen if there was a full moon. I know the Wranglers were never terribly excited about it, but um, every once in a while, you know, the 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 moon and the stars would align. And um, the one that I really remember going out, it was a different, it was, a, it, we also used to have breakfast cookout rides. So it was at the place where the breakfast ride usually was. And we rode out in the afternoon, had, you know, had supper, and then this huge full moon came up and then we we rode home, doubled up, um, horses beside along the road to, you know, the dirt road to to get back to the ranch and in the moonlight. Yeah, it was it was obviously memorable. <laughs> Very special. You've probably seen a lot of changes at the ranch over the years. How has technology changed the guest experience? Um, when we first started going to the ranch, and I think this is probably one of the things that my father um, really appreciated, there were no phones in the um, casitas. The only phone was in a phone booth um, by the pool table. Um, and so if you know he ever had to make a call for work or that was all that was available was the phone in the phone booth. So yeah, and there were no TVs in the rooms. Then skipping ahead, when my husband and I started going, when I when I started bringing my husband out to the ranch, he found it a little more difficult that there initially that there. I think by then there were phones in the rooms, and there might have been TVs, but they didn't work that well. But the the tough thing was when there was no internet, and then once internet was available, that uh, made it a little bit easier to be at the ranch on vacation and still not get too stressed out about not being able to connect with with the working world. So I know Rusty sort of resisted that for a long time, but I guess finally gave in. Yeah, it it's certainly a mixed bag. I think it's it's impossible in this day and age to not be able to be connected, but by the same token, this 
this last visit when we were there, both my husband and my my daughter's husband ended up being, you know, sucked into work activities for big chunks of time while they were there. But that's not the ranch's fault. <laughs> well, you've introduced your children to the ranch. What was their first impression when you brought them out? Well, my girls... Like I said, we have pictures of my daughter when she was probably two, along with the, another family, the Huppers, and they have a, uh, their daughter's name is, is also Sarah. So we have pictures of Anna and Sarah Hupper when they were two. And then we didn't overlap with them again for a number of years. And then when the girls were probably maybe in middle school, we ended up um, at the ranch again, and they became fast friends. And we actually found these pictures from when they were two <laughs> that we hadn't recalled that they'd been there. So they they had very much the the same kind of experience growing up, where they made lifelong friends that were there, you know, every every year when they came. And and we also introduced various family friends would come and bring their kids, and and you know, so they have have memories of being at the ranch with those family friends that didn't necessarily keep coming back, but there were a few years in there where all these particularly horse crazy girls, you know, all got to spend lots of time together with Caroline on horseback. And have you stayed in touch with any kids that you grew up with around the ranch over the years? Well, yeah, Jim, Jim Spencer and I are good friends and the Faroe kids, um, you know, I'm, I'm still in touch with all of them. I'm trying to think. Besides Caroline, those are those are probably the families that we've remained the closest with. And then like I said the Huppers, you know, they uh, Sarah Hopper has come to my girls' weddings and you know, so we're yeah, life lifelong friends. You know, there's there's something about being on vacation and shared activities and and it's very easy to, you know, sort of create those those connections. And I think that was even more so like I was saying back in my parents' day. There was so much mixing that happened because of all the the round robin tennis tournaments and meeting people on rides. And there was less of sort of a whole family just going on a ride together. It was things got sort of mixed around more. So it really did encourage those friendships to to um, to develop. Have you seen the demographic of the guests change? Um, again, there was a big chunk of time when I wasn't going to the ranch, sort of in my, um, I guess, late 20s and um, early 30s. And and there might have been a little bit more, little bit of a shift then. I guess what I was most aware of in this last trip was I, I hadn't overlapped before with any of the corporate business. Um, and again, maybe that's because it, it wasn't the height of spring break season when we were there. But that that seems to, you know, that brings in a different demographic. There were a lot more of sort of the 20, 30 somethings who were there in a corporate setting, you know, rather than families coming for a vacation. Just being in the price bracket it is and everything else, it tends to, you know, uh, attract the same the same demographic, I think. <laughs> And what do you think keeps you returning to the ranch? For me, like I said, for for most of my life, the ranch was the definition of a vacation. Every other place, every other resort that I've ever been to, the standard of comparison is always the ranch. So that's what's 
kept me coming back um, is just that and and having so many memories of, you know, being there with my parents and being there with my, my kids were young. So it's that sense of, of tradition and familiarity. And, and then there is something for everyone. Last year was the first year that my two sons-in-law experienced the ranch um, and they are very different, but they both loved it. And so then we were all back again this year. And so it's a place where the six of us can go and be together and everyone enjoys it in spite of having, you know, a range of different interests. So, you know, that's the third generation now for my family. And then, you know, who knows into the future. Are there any traditions you wish would come back? Dessert at lunch. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, you know, I I guess all the things that I that I sort of miss, I second guess myself because I can understand why they're not doing them anymore. So, like for um, example, well, I think you know, square dancing is one of them. You know, the the gymkhana's another one. You know, I I can see why those are kind. You know, had to kind of be. You know, all all the different cookout rides and you know, all those things and things, you know, things evolve and change. And I mean, a new thing that we've all really enjoyed is the archery, you know, which that's new and it it was something we all did and enjoyed. And so. How do you feel the ranch has changed you? Ah, that's a good question. Um, Hmm. You know, for for a long time, it so my passion is horses, and I'm now a horse trainer, instructor. I do equine facilitated coaching. I've written a book about a historical fiction about the first person to ride a horse. For a long time, the ranch was the one opportunity during the year that I got to be with horses. So that was a huge thing that, you know, I valued about being able to, to go to the ranch. So I don't know about changing so much as sort of keeping that, that spark alive and, and nurtured um, was, was really important for me, you know, over the, over the years. And I worked at one of the best years that I visits, I remember was the year after I myself had worked as a wrangler on a guest ranch over the summer. And then that next year when I, when I visited the ranch, I think I spent, by then I was in college, all my time down at, at the, at the corral with, with the Wranglers. And I think that the, um, again, this is not necessarily change, but in, in terms of what I value, have valued over the years, it's those friendships that, you know, that I still have that were made there. And what do you think the legacy of the ranch is? Um, if I had to sum it up in one word, I'd say relationship. You know, it's the the relationships formed with other guests, the relationships formed with the staff, the relationship with the land. You know, when I step out of the car, arriving at the ranch and just, you know, the the smells in the air, the way the the way the air feels, the built environment you know, it's, it's this sense of relationship and then, you know, being greeted by name and being there with family, um, seeing friends, you know, it's, it's all about the, the relationships. Can you tell me about any wildlife encounters? 
Well, I have a snake story. So that same year, well, I'm not sure. It was sometime when I was in college. And it was a year that, for whatever reason, it warmed up early and the the snakes were out. They were all coming out of hibernation. Um, And it was back in the day where the only good, I don't think this is quite true anymore, but where the, the assumption was that the only good rattlesnake was a dead rattlesnake. So every ride when the Wranglers went out, you know, they were trying to to eliminate any snakes that they encountered. So two Wranglers, Lars and, and Ronnie, had sort of a side business going where they were skinning and, you know, these, these rattlesnakes and then creating hat bands or, you know, whatever. So this one particular ride, we went out and sure enough, we encountered a rattlesnake and, and Lars was the, the Wrangler and he, you know, stepped off his horse, handed the rein to me and, you know, when, and I think he had a rock or something. Anyway, he, you know, in true cowboy fashion, he killed this rattlesnake, um, chopped off its head, but his horse would have nothing to do with packing that rattlesnake back to the ranch. You know, there was no way. So we tied the rattlesnake to the back of my saddle because my horse wasn't bothered. But rattlesnakes like chickens, their nervous system continues to function even after they've had their heads chopped off. So as we're riding back to the ranch, this rattlesnake, again, the head's chopped off, but started to slither into my lap. (laughs) And luckily, um, I'm not squeamish. So by the time I got back to the ranch, basically this, it was in my lap. And as a result of that, because I won the prize for nerviest guest, um, and I got to keep that snakeskin and they pegged it and dried it and cured it for me. And I made it into a hat band and I still have that on um, the hat that I wore back in those days, which is up in my closet, you know, rattle included. Um, I want a picture of that. <laughs> but yeah, so I can I could send you a picture of it. But yeah, that that's my that's my best wildlife story. Well, that's pretty wild, actually. <laughs> Were there any notable guests you remember? Um, uh, I'm trying to think Bowser was the most famous <laughs> guest that that I was aware of <laughs> of Shanana fame. Yeah, I'm sure there were other famous guests over the years, and I just didn't know that they were famous. But when your family came out, did you ever take the train? Yeah, we one year we took the train. Yeah, we took the train from um, Chicago, and I remember it. You know, it was the Zephyr or whatever. You know, with the big um, observation cars and you know the whole thing. And I remember it stopped in Albuquerque, and then. It must have gone to Phoenix uh, or maybe Flagstaff. Um, in fact, it might have been Flagstaff because I also remember driving down through Sedona and Oak Creek Canyon and, and to the ranch. I know my my parents did a lot more sort of exploring of places away from the ranch when, when they visited. It was pretty hard to pry me away. But my mom in particular was always um, very interested like in the Herd Museum and in phoenix and she collected native american jewelry and pots and 
And so they'd go off and explore, you know, away from the ranch. But, but generally, um, yeah, we, you know, we flew from Chicago to Phoenix and, you know. And then the ranch would pick you up from the airport. Yeah, exactly. And then there was nothing between, you know, Phoenix and the ranch for 70 miles. And of course, that's completely changed too. But was there ever a time that you did not want to come out when you were younger? No. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, if my parents had suggested not going to the ranch for spring break, there would have been a mutiny. Well, thank you, Sarah. Yeah, my pleasure. So glad that you're doing this because as I was telling Jim, I think it's really important to preserve and just like your questions about, you know, what is it about the ranch that makes it special? It's so important to preserve these memories and hopefully not lose the essence of what makes the ranch the ranch. This concludes another episode of the Souvenirs Podcast. Thanks for taking the time to tune in. We'll be here next week with more ranch tales from another fascinating character. Souvenirs Podcast is produced by Susie Miner. Background music is written and performed by Dick Fredrickson. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time.